morning, everybody. Good to see you. I'm just going to get my little Val Dunican stool sorted out. I promise I'm not going to sit on it and sing. But it's lovely to see you. We've been away for the past couple of Sundays. Um, and lots has happened since we've been away. Um, Hannah's just coming back in. Steve and Hannah have had a baby in the past few weeks. Little baby Adeline, which is lovely. Is that Matt? Adeline, is that right? Adeline, sorry. And also, Jessica and Emmanuel have had another little baby girl whose name I haven't heard. Has anyone heard the baby's name? Erica, so two new babies in the family. We go away for two weeks and look what happens. Amazing. We have to be careful when we go away again. <laughs> so we were away last weekend um, celebrating with our wider family. It was my mum and dad's 50th wedding anniversary, um, which is quite a milestone. And we had a great weekend. We were kind of looking back and doing loads of reminiscing, looking at lots of embarrassing photos, that kind of thing. Um, and as we look back, we just, I just realised that kind of there are particular seasons in our life, aren't there, where it's good just to pause and reflect and take stock and look. And that's something we've been doing with my mum and dad, kind of looking back at the things that have happened through their marriage over 50 years and also looking forward as things change for all of us as we grow older. And, you know, as I look at my parents, I see that they are living and have lived really well in so many ways over 50 years they're not here, so it's okay for me to say this, but they've been faithful to one another for 50 years. They've been generous with their time and their money in seasons when they've had a lot and in seasons when they haven't had a lot at all. They've maintained healthy friendships and they've been able to serve the wider community through their jobs. They'd be really embarrassed to hear me talk about them like this because they would be the first to say that they haven't always got it right and they're certainly not perfect. But they have tried to live well in their context and they've made daily and weekly and monthly and yearly decisions to help them to do that to make that desire to live well an actual reality and at the moment as a church family as you'll know if you've been coming for a while we are working through the bible we're looking at different books in the bible and this week we're going to be look, looking at a book which is all about living well a book which is called the book of proverbs and if you want to open it up if you go to the center of your bible you'll probably find find psalms turn right and you'll be into Proverbs. So have a fiddle around. If you can't find it, look in the index, or you can pull it up on your phone. And as we've been kind of looking back and reviewing with my mum and dad, it did strike me that there are lots of different times in our life where it is good to pause. You know, the time when a new baby arrives is a time when lots of things change. And we might be questioning, so how are things going? How are we doing so far? What are we going to put in place to make sure that things carry on going well? It may be that you've got a significant anniversary coming up or a birthday. It may be that you're just graduating from college. Maybe that you have a child who's starting school in September or going to the next kind of school in September or even leaving home. All of these times are good times to pause and say, well, how's it going? And that's a question I think that lots of people around us are asking. You know, in 2016, 10 billion pounds was spent, sorry, 10 billion dollars was spent on self-help books. People around us are looking to improve. How can we do this life better? And then you may well have seen this quote, it's going to couple up on the screen, which recognises we only actually have one life. The quote says, life is not a dress rehearsal. The curtain is up and you are on. So get out there and give it your best shot. We don't get time to practice in life. We only do this once. And so how are we going to give it our best shot? How are we going to live well? Well, the good news is there's plenty of help in the Bible. And so Proverbs, this book in the Bible that we're looking at today, is part of what's called the wisdom literature of the Bible. There are three books. There's Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the book of Job. I'm not going to talk about Ecclesiastes and Job this week. Nigel's going to talk about those in a few weeks' time. But those are books which look at, at when life doesn't go so well. 
But Proverbs may be a book that you've heard of because it's full of little pithy sayings, often kind of little two-liners that are some top tips on what works well or if you do something, then a consequence will happen. And these aren't promises. If you always do this, this will always happen. But these are kind of probabilities. If you live this way, generally either these good things will happen or these bad things will happen. And you may know some of those different proverbs. There's a, a famous one. Proverbs 16:18 says, pride comes before a fall. Anyone heard that one? Anyone experienced that one? <laughs> we don't need the story now. Oh, there's another one which is well known. Train a child in the way that he should go. And when he's old, he will not turn from it. That's Proverbs 22, verse 6. And that kind of means work out what your kids are good at, how God's made them, and train them to kind of go in that direction. Another well-known verse, Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. Or another translation says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. And so whether you are, well, wherever you are in your journey of God this morning, whether you have been on the journey with him for a long time, you've been following Jesus for a long time, or maybe you've just come today and you are just looking you're wondering about the Christian faith, you're wondering what this has to do with you. Well, I really hope that you'll find today's thought really practical because there are lots of top tips in this book about how to live well. So what's the point of Proverbs? We're going to start and look at Proverbs chapter 1. I'm actually going to read it from the message translation of the Bible. So we're in Proverbs chapter 1 and we're going to start at verse 1. It's on the screen too. And in my version, this is called a manual for living. A manual for living. These are the wise sayings of Solomon, David's son, Israel's king, written down so that we'll know how to live well and right, to understand what life means and where it's going. A manual for living, for learning what's right and just and fair, to teach the inexperience the ropes, and give our young people a grasp on reality. Isn't that great? Anyone know young people who need a grasp on reality? There's something here also for seasoned men and women. Still a thing or two for the experience to learn. Fresh wisdom to probe and penetrate. The rhymes and reasons of wise men and women. Start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. And just as a little aside, I just want to let you know that there is some really excellent material on Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job's and kind of going into this deeper on the Bible Project web website. So if you have been here around for a little while, you've heard us reference that before. They have little videos that you can watch. And I'm not going to go into all the kind of structure of the book this morning, but I'm going to see what we can pull out as practical wisdom to help us live here and now. So let's look at this. This is a manual for living. Well, in verse 1, it says that these are the wise sayings of Solomon. You may well know from 1 Kings chapter 4 that Solomon was King David's son. David had been the king in Israel. He was really famous. He had done loads of good things. And then he died and he passed on his crown to his son. And his son Solomon realized that he had very big boots to fill, that his dad was going to be a pretty hard act to follow. And in fact, in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 7, he said, I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. So there he was as the king, and he recognized that he was in a, a tough situation, and he didn't quite know what to do. And so God spoke to him in a dream and said, what is it you want? And in the dream, Solomon said, actually, please, I want wisdom. I want to know how to do this well. 
He didn't ask for wealth. He didn't ask for his enemies all to get routed or kicked out. He didn't ask for a long life, but he asked for wisdom. And the Bible says that God was really pleased and gave him a wise and understanding heart. And I don't know if you feel like you could relate to Solomon at all. Do any of us ever feel that we're actually in a tough situation? We feel out of our depth, maybe in a situation at work, maybe in a relationship, maybe as a parent. I don't know about you, but I often look at things and go, I just don't really know what to do here. I don't really know how to deal well with this challenge. God gave Solomon wisdom, and the same offer is available for us. In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, and you'll see it on the screen, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Or another translation says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he'll give it you. So we've talked a lot about wisdom, and what actually is it? Well, the Bible tells us that wisdom is an attribute of God. In Psalm 104, it tells us that God made the earth in wisdom. So it's obviously a creative force. It's not like a fixed thing, but it's a force that's creative and not static. Daniel 2.20 tells us that God has all wisdom and power. And Romans 11 tells us that God's wisdom and his riches and his knowledge are great. They're really extensive. They're not limited. And in Colossians 2, it actually says that in Christ, in Jesus, lie all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so wisdom isn't the same as knowledge. It's not the same as knowing stuff. It's not the same as information. It's a doing thing. And some people call wisdom skill in living. In Proverbs 1, we've read it already. Wisdom is how to live well and right. And Proverbs is an invitation for us to live well and right in all areas of our life, with our neighbours, in our sex lives, with our money, with our work, in our workplaces, in friendships, with forgiveness, working out how we talk to one another. All these different areas are touched upon in Proverbs and there's wisdom available. And the other amazing thing is that wisdom is available for all of us. In Proverbs, it describes wisdom as a lady. You may have heard about lady wisdom calling out. And she invites us to live her way. And in fact, if you choose to watch some of the Bible Project videos, you'll see that there's a, there's a lovely Hebrew word, which I might not do justice to. It's called chokmah. Can you say that? It's kind of clear your throat. Chokmah. Something like that. If you know Hebrew, you'll know how to say it better than me. But the understanding of wisdom is not that it's a list of do's and don'ts, but it is this creative force which um, is woven into the universe. That there is a way of living that helps us live in tune with how God has created the world and how he's created us to be. And if we choose to live that way, then things generally go well. And if we choose not to, then things generally may not for us and for other people around us. And so maybe you're here today and you feel that you're making a mess in a relationship or at work or with your money. And the wonderful encouragement is the ability to live well in those areas is available to all of us. Now, if you had a look through Proverbs at all, you'll see that there are three types of people in Proverbs. There's the wise person, the simple person, and somebody who's called the fool. The wise person is the person who knows how to live well and does it. So it's not just the knowledge, but actually they live it out. The simple person is a person who just doesn't really know what to do yet, but they actually could learn. And then the fool is the person who actually does know the right thing to do and chooses not to do it. And let's read from Proverbs chapter 1. It's going to come up on the screen again, and I'm reading from verse 20. 
This is Lady Wisdom. It says, Wisdom is shouts out in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street, to those gathered in front of the city gate. How long will you insist on being simple-minded? So how long will you insist on not knowing what to do, not finding out the right thing? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge, so knowing what to do and not doing the right thing? Come to me and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and I'll make you wise. I'll help you know what to do and how to do it. So I've got five key points that are going to help us look at how we can live wisely, how we can live God's way. They are, we need to put God first. We need to listen to wisdom, whether that's from the Bible or from other people who've been there before. We need to make a plan, we need to stick with it. And finally, we need to get help. And it's not just help from anyone, it's help from God. So the first point is about putting God first. When I was little, I learned a song about, from Proverbs, which is about, the, I won't sing it you, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. And some people think that God is somebody to be afraid of. Maybe you've had people in authority in your life who have been frightening, who have been mean, and you think God is like that. Well, actually, the Bible tells us that nothing could be further from the truth. God loves us so much that he wants us to know him. And he wants us to live his way, not so he can control us and make us do things, but because he knows how we work best and how life works best. And so the fear of the Lord isn't about being terrified of him or scared of him, but instead it's having a healthy reverence and awe, understanding who he is and who we are. He's the creator of the universe and he loves me. And so wisdom really is like a wow thing rather than, sorry, fear of the Lord is like a wow thing rather than an oh no thing. And when we understand who he is and what he's done, that leads us to have respect for the boundaries that he puts in place. And it makes it easier for us to understand why to put him first. And fearing the Lord is also about fear of what will happen when we do things that hurt him. It's not just fear of crossing the line because I'm going to get punished. That's not what it's about. But if Jesus is somebody that we love, then it will really hurt us to think that we're hurting him. In Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight or he'll show you which path to take. And again, in the message, it says, Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God and run from evil. And then it goes on to say, your body will glow with health and your very bones will vibrate with life. Isn't that lovely? Anyone felt vibrating bones? In fact, you know, a friend of mine is really sick and I was praying that for her today, that her body would glow with health and her very bones would vibrate with life. So putting God first requires recognising we can't do it on our own. And for some of us, actually, that's quite a relief, isn't it? It's a relief to know that there's somebody outside and somebody beyond us who does know what to do and does know how to live and wants to help us to do that. You may well have, have read 
C.S. Lewis's book, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, or watch the movie. And there's a really famous um, scene there. And one of the children asks about Aslan, who is C.S. Lewis's representation of Jesus, and says, is he a safe lion? And Mr. Beaver says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king. And if we choose to put God first in our lives and invite him to be in charge of our lives, then things will change for us. He's not an add-on. He's not this kind of domesticated pussycat who comes and takes a place in our lives. But he can potentially turn everything upside down. And that's what we need to be aware of if we're going to invite him in. <laughs> you know, maybe today you've come searching for the right path. And God offers his love and his friendship and his guidance through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And so if you don't know where you're going, he's a really good person to run to. And maybe today you want to recognize and acknowledge your need of him. And perhaps you might like to just bow your head now and pray a little simple prayer. God, I've been trying to do life my way and it's not working. I want to do it your way. I choose to surrender to you. Please help me. You know, to be honest, that's a prayer that I have to pray often. God, I'm not in charge, you're in charge. And please, will you come and show me the way to do it? So if we want to live wisely, then we can choose to put God first. Second thing that's really good to do is to listen. Listen to God and listen to others who are living his way. If you've looked through Proverbs at all, you'll see that there are various speeches that are a father talking to his son. And maybe you know teenagers or maybe you have sons and you would recognize some of the things this father says. Listen to what I say. Tune your ears in. Concentrate. Don't forget what I'm telling you. Pay attention. Follow my advice. I think those are all probably things that have been said in our household at different times as we have sons and a daughter actually. But the thing is that when we know and love children and young people, we want them to grow up well, don't we? We don't want them to make the same mistakes that we have made. And if we are wise, if we want to live God's way, it's really sensible for us, it's really wise for us to listen to what God says and to what others say. The dad in the Proverbs says you can learn to live well. This isn't a matter of chance. And if you do choose to live God's way, then it will be a shield and a protection for you. Your life will be satisfying, there'll be joy, it'll keep you out of trouble. And the wonderful thing is that if we are trying to live as apprentices to Jesus, if we're trying to live his way, we don't have to work it out all on our own. In the Proverbs, there are hundreds of those little verses that we looked at slightly earlier on, on how to apply wisdom in really practical ways. In chapter 10, verse 19, it says, Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut think well that seems like a proverb that rings true for me sometimes it's very easy isn't it to chatter on and to say something gets you in trouble I don't know whether we've got any employers in the room but in 1026 it says lazy people irritate their employers like vinegar to the teeth or smoke in the eyes anybody employers got someone lazy working for them it kind of makes you grit your teeth a bit doesn't it it's not good and in Proverbs 24, 26, it says, giving an honest answer is a sign of true friendship. And though we don't always like it, I think we probably all do need a friend who can tell us really and honestly whether our bum does look big in this. Just not everybody. 
So there's loads of practical advice in the Bible if we choose to read it and we choose to live it out. But as well as what's in the Bible, there are other people who are living wisely around us. And that's one of the amazing things about being part of a church family. Many of the situations that we find ourselves in are brand new to us, but actually there are lots of other people who've been there before. You know, I spoke to someone several months ago who um, had retired from a really busy and demanding job that she loved. And she'd also moved away from the close-knit community that she'd been part of, all within the matter of a couple of weeks. And when I spoke to her, she was feeling really low and purposeless and lost. And I said to her, how did you prepare for your retirement? Did you chat to anybody else who had retired in the past few years and ask them about what had worked well for them? And she hadn't. She just thought, I'm going to get to the end of my job, I'm going to move house. And she didn't really have an idea or a plan about what was going to happen next. And as a result, she felt really lost. And I thought, oh, I wonder, things may well have been very different for her if she had sought out some other people who'd been there before, who'd faced the challenges and the the joy of leaving employment for the last time, of retiring and facing a new start. And maybe if she talked to them about the things that had worked well for them and the things that hadn't gone so well, she might have chosen to live differently. You know, in this church family, we are so blessed to have an army of more mature Christians who've been there before a lot of us and who've seen God's faithfulness in good times and in bad times. It's just encourage us to make the most of it. When we were um, newly married, we noticed that one of our friends, Andrew, who is the same age as us, used to spend a lot of time with older people. And he would spend time, well, they looked a lot older to us, they're actually in the next life stage up from us. But he'd ask all kinds of questions about, well, how do you do this and what about that? How do you get on at work? What do you do about your marriage? How have you raised your kids? And he inspired us to find some people who could be role models for our family as they were growing. And it was really helpful for us to realise that we didn't have to know it all and we didn't have to make it all up, that there were people that we could go to and say, what did you do in this situation or in this life stage or when your kids did this or when this happened in your marriage? And so a practical outworking of this could be at coffee time today or maybe at life group next week or maybe on the church weekend away. Why don't you sit with somebody who's a bit older than you and ask them some good questions? (laughs) Someone's laughing, I think... (laughs) Is there somebody older than you, Neil? Can I ask? <laughs> no? Okay. Well, then we're all coming to see you. Let's all go and sit with Neil at the church weekend away. <laughs> then Neil will have to find another room where he's not the oldest person. <laughs> but there are some really good questions we could ask, aren't there? How have you stayed faithful to your wife or your husband in difficult times? How have you done well in your career and still managed to invest in your family? How have you handled your money in times when you didn't have enough at the end of the month and in times when you have plenty to spare? One of our friends was a vicar whose wife, sorry, whose um, son died in his sleep. And Nigel went and said, how did you keep your faith in that situation? What did you do? There are people who've been through all kinds of different things ahead of us. And so why don't we just get the benefit of their experience? And if you are a more mature believer, I just want to say, please don't worry. We don't assume that you've known all the answers and we don't assume you've got it all right. And sometimes it can just be really helpful to share the things you haven't done so well, as well as the things that you have done well. Just to help the rest of us not make the same mistakes. We'll probably make some other ones, but not make the same mistakes. 
So to live wisely, put God first and listen to him and others. The third point is that we need to make a plan. Very few people set out to make bad decisions that are going to wreck their lives and other people's. Nobody really sets out to make a choice that's going to have a bad outcome. These kind of decisions are usually made in the heat of the moment when we're under pressure. And that's why Proverbs talks about us making a plan. In Proverbs chapter 7, if you wanted to quickly flick there, I'm not going to read it, but there's a story about a guy who is called the fool. Here in this story, he's a young, naive man, and he hasn't thought to make a plan to stay out of trouble. He's aimlessly wandering around the streets one evening, and he comes upon a married woman who intentionally invites him into her home because her husband is away, and she seduces him. He isn't looking to have an affair. He just isn't really thinking. He hasn't made a plan to stay out of trouble. And as a result, he ends up sleeping with her, and it has all sorts of implications. <laughs> the implications are it actually says it leads to death. And that could be in so many different ways, couldn't it? And in contrast, in Proverbs chapter 9, two chapters on, Wisdom, who's also here described as a woman, invites people into her home to join her. And the result is good and that those people live well. The fool didn't have a plan for trouble. He wasn't ready with a response when he was invited to sleep with somebody else's wife. You know, it can really help us to decide in advance what we're going to do when our values are challenged or where we're tempted to live in a way that doesn't honour God or other people. What are we going to do at work when everyone else is fiddling their expense claims? What are we going to do when we're asked to lie to a client to kind of cover up something that's gone wrong? What are we going to do when everybody else is gossiping about that woman who made an awful fool of herself at the Christmas party? What are we going to do when we're lonely in our marriage and someone else is more sympathetic than our spouse and they invite us for a drink or offer a shoulder to cry on? Our hearts might say, I'm lonely, there's no harm in friendship. But wisdom says, think about where this could go. You don't just find yourself having an affair or end up in bed with someone. You don't just find yourself in a disciplinary at work because you falsified your expenses. These are all the results of choices. And the question is, will we make plans in advance to keep our hearts and our characters safe? And sometimes this plan might mean knowing what to say when people tease you for not drinking as much as they do or for fiddling your expenses or joining in the gossip. The plan might mean excusing yourself from a situation or choosing not to go to a certain event or party. Um, our goddaughter was a student and a load of her friends went out drinking and she didn't want to be completely out of that culture. She wanted to hang out with her friends. But she knew that there was a certain time in the evening where it wasn't going to be helpful for her to be around. And so she'd offer people a lift home and then she'd decide to leave because often after that time, it just really wasn't helpful for her. And so she had to make that choice and to, to act on it. Other times it might be more extreme. It might mean leaving a friendship or a job in order to keep your integrity intact. And I know this sounds huge and risky, but God honours our decisions to follow him and to live his way. When we were much younger in our marriage and our kids were small, I found myself attracted to another guy who wasn't Nigel. He seemed to notice the things that I did well. He appreciated me. And I don't think there was anything at all inappropriate in what he did. But I found my heart was leaning in his direction. And I was putting a lot of store in the things that he said. And to be honest, it frightened me. I'd read Proverbs and I knew what could happen. 
and I knew that I could make certain decisions that could take me a certain way. And I knew that if I had an affair, it wouldn't be something that I planned to do, but I knew that could happen to people and that could cause a huge amount of damage to families and friends and our wider community. And to be honest, I was hugely embarrassed and really ashamed. I thought I should be able to do better. I thought I should be a better Christian and not think about him. And so I decided that I loved Jesus more than my embarrassment. And I went and found an older, wiser Christian in our church family and told her about it. And amazingly, she didn't judge me and she didn't make me feel ashamed and she wasn't shocked. She just helped me bring that situation to Jesus and she prayed alongside me. And she also suggested that she might help hold me accountable and just ask me how things were going and support me. And you know, for me, bringing that situation into the open was hugely powerful. I actually found for me in that situation that it changed, that I wasn't drawn towards him anymore. That because I had taken that step, God honoured that and it wasn't a deal. Another time was different. Before Nigel and I were going out, I was in a relationship that wasn't really healthy for me and the other person. And I knew it wasn't God's best for us. And it had to end. And I was as kind as I could be. But the other guy kind of didn't want to let go. And he kept on trying to get back together and kept on contacting me. And in the end, I had to cut off all contact with him. And that was really hard. We had been really good friends. And for months, I felt like my heart was broken. And I cried a lot. For both of us, it was heartbreaking. But I knew that that relationship was wrong. And I knew that choosing to walk with Jesus sometimes means running away from situations for things that might look good on the outside, but we know in our hearts aren't honouring to him. And one thing that I was really grateful for was that as I was a youth, when I was growing up in our youth group, we were introduced to Proverbs and we were told the value of having a plan. And so when that situation arose, I knew that my intention was to live God's way and so I knew that I had to run towards him. It's getting all very serious, isn't it? So living wisely means putting God first, listening to him and to others, and making a plan. And you know those situations where you're vulnerable. You know, whether it's to do with your money or to do with having authority and power at work or whether it's to do with your sex life or to do with your relationships. You know, we all know, don't we? But we're not on our own. So the fourth thing that we need to do is stick with it or keep going. You know, Proverbs is a series of wise sayings and encouragement to keep going. Following Jesus and doing the right thing can be hard. Sometimes it does feel like life would be easier if we weren't Christians. We could do and say what we wanted and when we wanted. But that's not what the Bible teaches. And actually crafting a good and a wise life takes a long time. But the Bible tells us that it is well worth it. In Proverbs 11, 11, it says, Upright citizens are good for a city and make it prosper. But the talk of the wicked tears it apart. And Christians who stand up for the right things are really good for society. We can see that in Winchester. We can see that when people are doing the right thing. Are charities are, that have been set up to help the poor and to help people in different situations. People who are seen to tell the truth and to be loyal and reliable. They're good for the city. When God's people live the way he's calling them, it makes a difference. But it isn't always easy. You know, um, many of you will know Anna Payne. I was, she's gone up to um, serve with our youth today. 
And I was really delighted talking to her a few weeks ago. Um, she's been given a new job. She was a teacher and then head of English at King's School. And now she is, I have to get this right, the assistant head at that secondary school. You, you may well have seen her here because she has talked in the past from the front and she's um, been involved in our This Time Tomorrow session. And I know Anna, and I know that she has consistently tried to live wisely and say and do the right things. And I'm not saying that if you choose to follow Jesus, you'll get a promotion, but maybe you will. But I do know that God has really good plans for King's School and the other schools in our city. And he places key people in significant positions. And having Anna, who is a wise woman who thinks before she speaks and who treats her colleagues and her pupils really well, is going to be really good for that school. And it's the same for many of you, wherever God has put you, working in a local authority or when you go to the playground, whether you're in business or in hospital or maybe in school, whether you're at college or at uni or at home. And the encouragement for today is to keep going. Even if you're not seeing the results, keep on putting one foot in the other, in front of the other, and well done for being faithful. And I felt today that there was an encouragement for some grandparents I felt there were some people here who are just concerned about your grandchildren and you don't get to see them very much and you wonder whether or not you're actually getting enough chance to share Jesus with them. And I felt like God said, be encouraged because they see your home as a haven, as a place that they come to and they know the peace of God when they come. And that is having a lasting effect on them, a deposit of godliness in them. Doing the right thing is not always comfortable. It's not always easy but it has an impact on ours and others' destinies. We're all part of somebody else's story. There's always somebody else watching. They're watching to see if God is real and watching to see if we believe in him enough to actually live the way that he says. And so to summarise, if we want to live wisely, if we want to live God's way, we need to put him first. We need to listen to him, what he says through the Bible and what he says through other wise people around us. We need to make a plan for those difficult situations that are going to turn up and know how we're going to respond. We need to stick with it even when the going gets tough. And finally, we need to get help. <laughs> and really, I should have put on the slide, get God's help. Because this isn't about us just having to try hard. Today, as Nigel said, Christians all over the world celebrate Pentecost. When God sent the gift of the Holy Spirit to be with us, to help us, to comfort us, to empower us to live his way. And in fact, some scholars would say that wisdom in the Bible is actually another expression or another name for the Holy Spirit. And so today, as we close, what I'd love us to do is to stand together. And we're just going to have some moments of quiet. And we're going to have some time to invite God, to ask God to come and help us. And maybe as I've been speaking, you've been thinking about a person or a situation where you feel challenged, a place where you feel out of your depth, a place where you feel like you know you need skill in living because you don't feel you're doing so well. And God is here and he's close and he wants to help. So why don't we stand together?